Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza and John Sheeran with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We appreciate you joining us for this live uh, listener question segment here again. For those of you who have been listening to us the past couple of weeks, there's been um, some changes to our usual platform. So uh, bear with us as we kind of get started as things kind of throwing us for a little bit of a loop uh, once again. But um John, uh, for I guess we could start off here because John, uh, you uh, for those before we kind of get to um, before we get to the listener questions, we've already got some queued up actually. But um, just to let the listeners know, you had uh, an opportunity to interview some people with the Bengals, um, kind of a little bit of a surprise. And uh, if you would tell us a little bit about it, because this is now available on our uh part of them are available on youtube as we sit here today on friday afternoon and then the rest of the audio is definitely available in the other uh in the other channels but uh tell us a little bit about it and then we'll get we'll get going with some of these listener questions yeah so essentially emily parker runs media relations with the Bengals. uh invited me jake lisco and nick manchester and a bunch of other guys but we were the guys who ended up coming down to basically have all access, media access for training camp practice. And she gave us a tour of the stadium. She got us interviews with the players. The interviews are now up on our YouTube channel. Uh, even an interview with Zach Taylor. And we got on the field for the training camp practice, got in contact with Paul Dickner Jr., Ben Baby, Richard Skinner, who worked with the team as well. And it was an incredible experience, and an experience that none of us at Cincinnati Jungle Life have ever had the opportunity of doing. And this was uh, Emily's way of kind of building a relationship between the non-traditional media who covers the Bengals and the Bengals organization in general. And this is the first time that they ever did something like this. And we are so gracious for Emily for giving us the opportunity to kind of see what, what goes on with the traditional media and covering the Bengals and kind of how, how the two sides work together and just the overall process of how they manage player relations and, and media relations in general. And the opportunity that we got to actually have access to, you know, firsthand quotes and interviews and, being up close to practice like that and interacting with the players in a way that we at Cincy Jungle have never had the experience to do before is, you know, I, I can't express my gratitude enough for Emily for, you know, really reaching out to us and kickstarting hopefully what is to be a long-lasting relationship between us non-traditional media members and the Bengals organization as a whole. And it was an incredible experience that I hope that we can do again in the future. Yeah, look, um, this is this is really a really cool opportunity. Um, very cool that two people from Cincy Jungle and 
if you really want to be technical, Jake used to do some stuff for CJ a little while ago as well. Um, you know, so, so a lot of people with Cincy Jungle roots are, uh, you know, involved in this and they reached out to us. So obviously they know we're doing something uh, right, both at Cincy Jungle and on this podcast. They know that the Locked on Bengals podcast is doing something right and getting fans attention. So kudos to the Bengals and, and our gratitude to the Bengals for doing that. Truth be told, this really isn't one of the first times that the bank, you know, we, we knock them about not giving us credentials and regularly and, and other things. Um, you know, truth be told, a few years back in a previous podcast that I was involved involved in, some of you may remember Mickey Menser and Nick, Nick Suberling, they got invited to kind of special VIP access at the Taste of the NFL event that they do over the summer and or maybe that's the springtime, um, but they invited uh, the, us from the show to go be a part of that. So, you know, the Bengals don't like to beat their own drum in terms of, you know, things they do for the public and everything, but, um, you know, it's it's a pretty cool thing, and this is, this is the latest and, and greatest example of it. Um, so for those of you who are just joining us and those of you who uh, do not know we have audio of all of the interviews. They are currently separated by player in the uh, iTunes, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, um, Megaphone, all that stuff. You can get th- those there. And then um, you can uh, also get uh, right now half of them are up on YouTube. We're going to upload the, the rest of the half by the end of Friday and they'll be up for this weekend. So check those out. Um, pretty cool stuff. Now, we're going to get to these questions. There's a lot in the YouTube chat already. We've got some texts queued up. So we're going to try and get to as many as we can here in a short amount of time. We'll be here maybe about 20 or 30 minutes and then, uh, you know, let you get on your way and, and get your weekend started. Get the Bengals preseason, first preseason game started. So get it started the right way by hanging out with us. Um John, uh, by the way, for the listeners as well, you can call or text. We will be taking phone calls if you want, 949-542-6241. Leave your comments in the live YouTube chat. Leave them in the thread on cincyjungle.com. There's a post there. Tweet them at us at OBI. So, John, uh, this is from Isaac Kaulashaw, I believe. Um, he has texted us a couple of times, and since we have not um, been able to do a, a listener questions show recently. We wanted to get to him first. Um, this goes back a little while to uh, the AJ Green injury and everything. Do you think we could get AJ Green on a cheaper contract due to his recent recent injury history and, of course, what's happening right now? That is actually a really good question because I've I've been thinking about what that process is going on right now with the uncertainty at least maybe building up on the Bengals side of, of this negotiation and obviously AJ's agent is making sure that he's going to get every penny that he deserves but I do think that you know obviously they don't like to deal a lot of, with a lot of guaranteed money especially with these contracts now that they're entering into their 30s but I do think that I, you know, the Bengals have a chance or a case in, in their mind to really maybe get some of a discount in terms of guaranteed money for AJ I think he's still going to be around where the market is resetting right now, maybe not eclipsing the likes of OBJ and Antonio Brown and, and, and those guys necessarily because they were on, or at least OBJ was at least younger and he's on his second contract. But I do think that there is a chance that they can get him for a little bit less guaranteed money and how Green has potentially less leverage in this deal. But I don't think, now, I don't think that they've lost any commitment in terms of 
you know, locking up AJ for another three or four years. I, I still think that they view him as the same person, player that they did before this injury. And, you know, we, we know how they feel about these injuries. Now they're committed to Tyler Eifert and other guys, unfortunately, haven't proven to be durable over the last couple of years. But I do think that there is a chance that they get for a little bit less guaranteed money. But I think the total money, the, the, like the big number that we end up seeing plastered over the headlines, I think it's going to be relatively the same because I don't think you can necessarily label Green as completely injury prone to the level of Tyler Eifert, but he is certainly getting there. And the fact that he's getting older doesn't really help. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, it, I don't think, I don't think you could get him cheap. Um, I think it may uh, there's there's a little bit more leverage in the Bengals' corner, and they may utilize that. Um, it sounds like AJ Green wants to stay in Cincinnati, so that's a good thing. And I think he should stay in Cincinnati. He should remain a Bengal for the rest of his career. Hopefully, he kind of stays healthy towards the end of his career and really solidifies what is looking like a Hall of Fame career. I, I think the Bengals can maybe get a deal, but still he'll command big money. Maybe, you know, maybe it's on the guaranteed front and, and that sort of thing where they can kind of get a little creative and a little more flexible. But um, I mean, for now, it looks like he, you know, the Bengals are going to still pay some good money in order to keep him probably for another two or three years. Um, you have been, so a lot, a lot of these questions I'm looking at moving on to, uh, in the live YouTube chat, uh, a lot of them are basically ha- how have players been looking in camp. I'm going to rely on you a bit more for these because you have not only uh, not only been in camp in person to watch these people in person, but you already you you also spoke to one of the players that's being referenced. Uh, point blank sports, no era lines. How's Tate looked in training camp? Uh, Wow, just got just got out of the hospital and found out my wife has cancer today. Out of the loop right now in Who Day. Well, first things first, man. Uh, I don't. We don't have a real name for you or anything, but uh, our best to you and your wife on that. Um, you know, that's uh, that's a real big bummer. And uh, hopefully, you know, this little show that we do, and hopefully what the Bengals do can maybe lift some spirits and uh, you know, best best of recoveries to your to your wife there, but. Um, I, I, he's referring, of course, to Alden Tate, uh, a guy who was the kind of the preseason darling last year. This year, Damian Willis has kind of taken that role, the preseason darling. Um, your your thoughts on Tate? Uh, we've talked a little bit about him on our regular show, but um, how has he been looking? I think he's been looking fine, all things considered. He looks a little bit trimmer compared to last year. I think he was near 230 pounds. I know a lot of fans are like, we should, we should bulk him up to 245 so he can be a tight end. He's actually uh, trimmed down, I think, to probably around 220. He looks a little bit more leaner, and I think he does look a little more explosive, a little more fast, and again, that's relative because of how not fast and not explosive he, he used to be at 21 years old coming out of Florida State, but he's, he's been getting a lot of experience and reps on special teams, specifically with the first team, and as a receiver, he, he's, he's looked about the same as he's always been, just a great contested catch, high-pointing jump ball type of guy who can dominate in the red zone and, and you know go get balls downfield. Uh, he's been primarily with the second team along with Willis and Alex Erickson. And I do think right now he's probably on the outside looking in just because of how many reps Josh Maloney and Cody Ford have been getting with the starters with A.J. Green and John Ross out. So with that in mind, if they're going to go with six, I think Tate is looking at another year on the practice squad potentially. But he, even then, he would be competing with guys like Damian Willis and Stanley Morgan for that distinction as well. So there's a lot of competition going on in that wide receiver group. And at least in the past couple of years, we've, we've seen – guys who just end up not producing the regular season, but just turning it on in the preseason and in training camp, just looking a lot better than what they actually are. And I think you can maybe 
classify Tate in that category right now, but he doesn't. He looks fine, and he looks like he definitely belongs, and he's definitely going to be around throughout the entirety of the preseason. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he made it because they're giving him more opportunities on the special teams, and it wouldn't shock me if he didn't because of how strong the rest of the receiving group is. Yeah, Tate, you know, kind of a little bit behind the eight ball this year, which is weird to say because he gained so much momentum in the preseason and then a little bit at the end of the season as well. But different coaching staff, right? Um, I mean, the, the staff may not ha- may not really look for the skill set or, or what Auden Tate is going to bring to this different offense. So, um, you know, he's a little bit behind the eight ball. Like you said, some of the undrafted kids are are – impressing and we say this every year there's a guy every year right there's a guy every year or two guys every year oh the Bengals they got to keep this undrafted guy they got to keep him they got to keep him they got to get him on the final roster what happens most of the time is that those guys do not make the final roster and then they'll never make it through waivers they'll never make it through waivers well guess what happens they make it through waivers and the Bengals hang on to them and they're they hang on to them on their practice squad so let's not panic if uh you know one of these guys that we like end up, uh, you know, getting cut, somebody could pick him up, but they've also had the chance to do, you know, do some, do that uh, for, for a little while here. And, um, you know, it hasn't happened. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have that they've got some back end talent at that receiver group, especially with John Ross experiencing an injury, AJ Green experiencing injury. They need, they need more help there. Uh, let's see here. More questions, uh, along the same lines of how have people looked? Um, it was Brian Cluxton who said, how is Pratt doing? Uh, you spoke to him. He was one of, one of the interviews. Um, you know, he's as of the depth chart that was released a couple of days ago, he is kind of a, a backup player at this point, but probably to see a number of snaps. What's your impression of him? And uh, especially just kind of in speaking with him, how he's grasping the defense. Yeah, he is um, with the second team unit. He's been wearing the, um, the audio mic in his helmet, calling plays for the second team. He's been working a lot with Jordan Evans in that regard. And um, if I said it before, uh, they've, been, they've been primarily just in nickel defense. And there's only been, um, you know, there's only been about two linebackers on the field at all times. And they usually have that big safety kind of come down there. But Pratt has been fine. He's been going through the motions just like any rookie linebacker specifically. And you have to remember, he doesn't have that many that much experience as a linebacker. He was a converted safety. And, he, and I, I just think he's just growing right now right before our eyes. And it didn't, it didn't help that he missed some time in the spring in OTAs uh, with, with an injury and kind of got him behind some, some other guys in that position group. But he was a really fun interview. Um, he actually... When, when asked about um, having the mic in his helmet and having to call plays, he said for the first time when he did, he, he like started a lot. And he just had to really <laughs> just, just, just step up and just kind of get used to it. And I think he's adapted well. Um, obviously, you know, it's hard for linebackers to really translate extremely early in, into their careers. But he's going to get an opportunity to play a ton of snaps in this preseason. And he, hopefully he steps up and gets a big role in this defense because at, at this point, um, they're going to have the, the same three starting linebackers or two starting linebackers on, out there week one as they did last year. And this is by far the weakest position group on that defense. So if there's any one new face specifically on this team that needs to, that they could use to step up, it's definitely Pratt. And I don't think he's there. His preseason will go a long way in determining how far along he is. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're doing a uh, listener question show, specific listener question show as the Bengals get ready. We're, we're here Friday afternoon, Friday evening for some of you. 
the day before kickoff for the Cincinnati Bengals kickoff to the 2019 season. They will be hosted by the Kansas City Chiefs in their preseason opener. So a lot of eyes on the team, a lot of interest in terms of you know how this team's going to come out, what they're going to look like, some of the new players on the team. As I mentioned, my co-host John Sheeran had a cool opportunity to speak to a number of different members of the Bengals, including head coach Zach Taylor, quarterback Andy Dalton, and others. Uh, so all of that interview stuff is on our channels uh, or and or will be up on YouTube, uh, but you can get the audio on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, and on the Megaphone platform. So get it how you can. We appreciate the support. We're going to be here for a little while longer, so leave a question for us in the live YouTube chat. Leave it in the uh, Q&A comment section on cincyjungle.com. Tweet at us at BanglesOBI, or you can call or text us at 949-542-6241. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. John, I'm seeing a lot of questions about running backs. Running backs, running backs, running backs. Andrew Greer, do you think we'll use three running backs this year? Uh, Jamie Craig, can Travion Williams surprise us tomorrow as far as running the ball? There was a um, kind of a comment slash question from Dan from Tennessee uh, earlier this week um, about uh, via text. Dan from Tennessee, great show. I really believe we got some good running backs and that our running game could be good with some decent blocking. Um, running backs can make a difference in the play action game. So running backs, running backs, running backs are, are on a lot of people's minds right now. Um, what, uh, I don't know. What's your take on this? I mean, do you think last year, if you look, if you want to use the Rams offense as a barometer, they really rode Todd Gurley a lot. Um, they started to use CJ Anderson when Gurley was kind of hurt around the postseason ish time. Um, at the end of the year. So they used him, um, you know, really wasn't a back by committee. The Bengals think they have a player in Gurley's mold uh, like Joe, Joe Mick in Joe Mixon. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is this kind of a, 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 a one, one horse show with, with Joe Mixon or, um, you know, are, are they going to spread that ball around a lot to a guy like Travion Williams to obviously Gio Bernard? Well, they ran Todd. Well, the Rams ran Todd Gurley all the way to arthritis in his knees. Right. So I think if Taylor has any sense, he would say that yeah, we're not going to use Joe Mixon as much as the Rams used Todd Gurley last year up until they had to use CJ Anderson. And even when CJ Anderson was on the field, up until the Super Bowl, like there was still sustaining production as an offense. And I think we'll see tomorrow why Trayvon Williams can show that running backs, by and large, are expendable. And Joe Mixon might be the slight exception because of how talented he is, but. You know, do I think they're going to use three running backs all year? Look at the position right now. Like, they're, they're dealing with injuries with Mixon. They're dealing with injuries with Bernard. Both those guys had dealt with injuries last year. They just got Rodney Anderson back off the NFI. And who knows if, you know, with how injury-prone he was in college, who knows if that's going to sustain. Williams is almost like the lone survivor right now of the position group. And I really do think they like Jordan Ellis, who's an undrafted guy from Virginia. He's running taking uh, second-team reps with, with the offense. Both Ellis and Williams are very good pass protectors, and that will that will that will go a long way 
in terms of getting them a lot of exposure in preseason. I do think Williams is a natural runner. He's a smart kid. I We, we interviewed him as well. He was very open with us and just a very energetic guy, very eager to work. And he's a talented guy in all, in all three phases of the game, as, as a runner, as a pass catcher, and a pass blocker. So that will get him opportunities as early as possible for any rookie running back kid. And, yeah, I do think that they're obviously going to feature Mixon as much as, as much as they feel comfortable doing. They understand the talent the talent that they have in a guy like Bernard, but they like Williams a lot. They like Anderson a lot. And I think there's going to be a healthy rotation with at least two or three of those guys. And injuries are inevitably going to occur at that position with, with the wear and tear that they take. And the fact that, you know, both Bernard and, and uh, Mixon are, are piling up some injuries and injury history on their resume. And obviously a guy like Anderson who you can't fully trust yet. So Williams has a chance to really establish himself as some, some form of, of, of a stable rock in the position group. And I do think that's going to carry some momentum with him into the, into the regular season and how they're going to implement most of those guys in a rotation in an offense where, as far as we know, they plan on establishing the run, which is so mid-2000s. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be kind of the plan here in building this offense. Yeah, Sean Alexander available. We could uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe they could give him a call. Um, you know, a little bit of, of good news, bad news with the Bengals running back uh, committee that you you know you've kind of alluded to. On the good news front, the rookies, uh, Travion Williams has looked very good in camp by most reports. Like you said, seems to be a versatile guy, can catch the ball, obviously uh, has a relationship with Jim Turner and knows the scheme that the Bengals are going to try and employ on the offensive line. So there's some comfort factor there. And then the Bengals got back, as you mentioned off the pup list, Rodney Anderson, an exciting rookie who probably would have been a day two pick had he not torn his uh, knee ligament last early last year. So, um, you know, very good news there. Now, bad news, you look at who will or will not play uh, in, in terms of this preseason opener coming up on Saturday. Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon, and Rodney Anderson will not be playing. Uh, Anderson was, was a bit to be expected because he just came off the pup. Obviously, there's some conditioning, and they want to make sure they take it slow with him. But um you know so there's a little bit of good news bad news there you're going to see a lot of Williams hopefully he stays healthy uh through this game and then some others I do think that the Bengals have a chance to keep four running backs including Anderson and Williams along with Bernard and of course Joe Mixon so the next question here wasn't really a question kind of a statement but it is something we should address because there were some really kind of fluid I don't necessarily want to call them weak but um, some some trade rumors potentially of the Bengals maybe dealing Giovanni Bernard uh, potentially to the Redskins, maybe in a package for Trent Williams. Uh, obviously, that would not be a straight-up player-for-player trade. I, I would think Washington would say definitely no to that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard anything else. I think that has since been debunked. Um, like I said, the, the, the rumors were kind of a little flimsy in the first place. Um, I think it, it kind of started with Geo's agent being in Cincinnati and then, you know, things kind of ran wild from there. A- anything you want to add to that in terms of things you've heard or um, I don't know. You're so courteous that you didn't want to call them weak. They were absolutely weak. There was no rumors about Geo <laughs> getting traded. It, like there was, there was that, there was a talk about his agent being in town. And if anything, that, that I could have signaled that they were discussing an extension, which it's honestly not a very good idea with the investment that they made at the running back position. That you're giving a running back a third con after a second contract, and that we've seen have teams replace running backs so easily with with so much care, you know, but by letting those rookie contracts expire. But there, there was no rumor about Giovanni Bernard getting traded for Trent Williams, and I don't think there's any. 
Trent Williams being acquired by the Bengals in any way, sense, or form. So no, there's there's no validity in that, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think so, and it's going to take a a big. Uh, you know, I, I think the only way that a Trent Williams trade occurs with the Bengals is probably if the Bengals go through, if, if number one, Trent Williams continues to hold out and there's, there's no, you know, there's just a, a complete impasse there that, that is irreparable. But also I think the Bengals will probably have to go through at least two preseason games, maybe, maybe even the entire preseason and feel very uncomfortable with how things are looking on the offensive line and maybe make a, maybe make a move from there. That, that might just be a reality. Uh, in that sense. It might be. It would probably <laughs> would cost them. I don't think it would cost them an arm and a leg, given the fact that Trent Williams apparently wants out of there so bad, But it and, and he's up there a little bit in age. But um, it would cost them a, a, a pretty penny, I would think, to get him because he is a premium player at a premium position and uh, really would kind of just be a Band-Aid for this this year, maybe they would extend a guy like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, obviously, that would then take the reshuffling of Cordy Glenn back inside to guard. What do you do when Jonah Williams comes back? Maybe he's your right tackle. I don't know. Um, I think it's it, it. In theory, it's a good. Um, it's a good move and uh, should be a, at least explored. Who knows if if it will be. Um, we're going to get out of here in just a few more minutes. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider. We've got another question from Dave Lennox asking about the secondary. Uh, he said last year they were pretty bad, and all they did to boost them was add BW Webb. I'm going to say this. I don't, I don't necessarily think the secondary was bad last year. In fact, I think the safeties, you could argue, were two of the most productive players on the entire football team last year, uh, and, and Jesse Bates and Sean Williams. Um, so if they play anywhere near, they, they both led the team in tackles. Uh, they both led the team in interceptions. They were one, two, one, two, um, you know, which isn't <laughs> leading the team in tackles by your safeties. Isn't a good sign. So I think unfortunately the secondary took a little bit of a brunt from a poor run defense, some injuries in the front seven, all that kind of stuff. But where they really were weak was the, the dropped interceptions. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, this over the past few months, John, um, in terms of, you know, basically their, their former, their three former first round picks, Denard Jackson and Kirkpatrick failed to, to yield an interception last year. So that obviously has to change. Um, but I mean, completion percentage wasn't outrageous. It was more getting off the field on third down. It was more the dropped interceptions, but, um, you know, for the most part, those, that, that wasn't the weakest part of the defense, in my opinion, I don't know if you have a different opinion as well as what, um, you know, what they look like so far under Lou Anarumo. I mean, the, the talent of the secondary has been there for at least the last couple of years. And I think the talent increased last year and the talent increased with B.W. Webb this year. I think he was a solid addition in terms of a free agent signing. And I, it's going to be interesting how they handled Dennard coming back with Webb taking all the starting reps at, at training camp in the slot. As, as your nickel cornerback, but William Jackson's look fine. Drake, we haven't heard a lot from Drake or Patrick, which for his case is a good thing because the more we hear about Drake or Patrick, he's usually not good things on the field. But Bates has looked phenomenal in, in year two. Williams has always been solid. They've used a lot of clean uh, fetulum, even with the first team as your, your big safety and when you're in those, those single high looks and dropping down to the box. So they're, they're, they're getting pretty uniform in terms of how they're utilizing that, that back end in terms of just going in primarily single high looks and using Bates and Brandon Wilson in, in your first and second team defense. 
But I, I, the secondaries look fine. Obviously, in, in training camp, receivers tend to go off sometimes because there's not a lot of contact allowed on the, on the perimeter with those guys. But Jackson's guys handle a lot of balls. Webb has looked fine in this defense. He should be familiar with it because it's the, his the defensive coordinator was the defensive backs coach last year. But I don't think it's necess- it's it's far from a weakness. It's not necessarily a top of the league strength, but it's not going to be the reason why this defense doesn't progress. And the things that I've seen from training camp kind of solidify that so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've said this before a little bit tongue in cheek, but, uh, you know, this, I think if the Bengals defense plays, you know, at average or maybe a, a little bit above average level throughout most of the season, this, you know, this team could be very competitive. Um, I think also that if, you know, I, I don't know exactly offhand. I'd have to I'd have to look. I don't have the information in front of me, but just say I, I can think of maybe two interceptions a piece that those three players I mentioned, Denard Kirkpatrick Jackson, should have corralled last year. I mean, imagine if they if they each had one, if they each had, you know, uh, if they each made all of those plays, a six win record maybe becomes, you know, two more wins because of the amount of turn. You know what I mean? So uh, it may be a reach to say that, but those are game-changing plays that were not made. Um, and that's those are the little little things that really caught up to the Bengals as the year wore on. Um, hopefully, you know, there's a renewed focus and a renewed energy that, that helps eliminate the, that, uh, those dumb mistakes going forward. Uh, let's end on this one, John, because we've been here for about a half an hour. Uh, Jamie Craig in the live YouTube chat says, what can we expect from Josh Malone tomorrow? I, I don't think we got to this one yet. I, I find that to be very interesting, especially since you spoke to him. Seems like a very low-key guy. Um, I, I'm sure you, you saw physical specimen. Um, so there's a lot to like. It seems as if he has been stepping up quite a bit in practice lately. So what, what do you think is, and especially now with the injuries, do you think he's going to have a big showing, um, uh, t- tomorrow night against the chiefs and or this entire preseason? Well, he's the AJ green right now. He's been used as that X as that split end guy. And they've been like the, like the first play that they've pretty much always come out on, on 11, 11 has been play action and just an over the middle, little, little skinny post to, to Mulvaloe off play action for about 15 yards. And this works pretty much all the time. They, they've used him a lot on those in-breaking routes. They've gone deep to him a bunch, and it's gotten slowly better and better as training camp has gone on. I think Malone and Dalton have developed more of a chemistry so far because of those reps that he's been getting. So um, early on, with the starters out there, I would expect Malone to get a handful of targets, um, specifically coming on those in-breaking routes. And it's, it's really a testament to, I guess, how much they're trusting in him and Cody Corr specifically and how they're keeping Tyler Boyd in the slot, which is where he'll be when AJ Green and John Ross come back. But it's basically like they're, they're taking Malone and Corr and just placing them in those roles and not really changing anything else. And maybe that speaks to how much confidence they have in Malone as he goes into year three. And this is a big year for Malone because, you know, as we saw last year, Tyler Boyd took a huge step in year three. Malone hasn't had nearly the success that Boyd did in his first two years to really justify that assumption. But again, the physical tools are all there and he seems to have you know picked up th- this installation pretty well. And he's been taking advantage of the opportunities that have been bestowed upon him in, in the light of Green's injury. So they've been going to him a lot in training camp and I've seen nothing positive things so far. But again, like, I, like I've said multiple times on this show already, receivers tend to go off in training camp and, it's, it's just up to them to really take that into the regular season. But the preseason is where that will start from alone. 
but I would expect him to get a handful of targets and really prove himself early on. Yeah, you know, he's a guy that he's another one of those guys like a Jordan Willis that needs a big camp, needs a big preseason to, uh, you know, he may make the team now because of necessity and injury and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I mean, for, for at least everybody to feel good about, um, you know, wide receiver group and where the offense is headed. If AJ Green is to miss some time in the regular season, he's got to show up and prove that he can, he can, uh, he's not an AJ Green, but maybe prove that he can be a reliable guy and make some plays. This has been the Orange and Black Insider uh, listener question show as we get set for the Bengals to kick off their 2019 preseason, their opener against the Chiefs in Kansas City. We thank you for your questions. You've been a little quiet on the phones tonight. We've got some te- we got some shy people. Usually the phone blows up, but uh, we got some texts and a lot of questions in the live YouTube chat, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you spending your Friday evening with us, and I uh, definitely appreciate um john your time i know you know you spent a lot of time interviewing those those Bengals members uh recently this week and um you know obviously you're spending your friday night with us too so i appreciate uh your time and effort and as i mentioned the interviews that john conducted along with uh nick manchester of cincyjungle.com and jake liskow of the the locked on Bengals podcast um those interviews are on all of our channels um, they will be fully uploaded to YouTube as of later Friday evening, but they all the audio is all available on all of our channels. And if you are not a subscriber to our channels, please subscribe. Please leave us a rating uh, and continue to download our content. You can get our stuff on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Megaphone, and on YouTube. And then all of our stuff is on CincyJungle.com. Those interviews... Uh, we'll, we'll have some of the audio and stuff. If you prefer to get that stuff on cincyjungle.com, there should be a post with, with some multimedia on there too. So check that out. John, I appreciate it, man. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy uh, the first weekend of, of Bengals football being back. Yeah, I'm just hoping I'm not bored about the middle of the second quarter. <laughs> what happens. But we'll see. Yeah, there might be a, a, a overabundance of running plays and things like that but uh it happens first preseason game it might get a little sloppy by the time halftime rolls around but we'll see it's real football in the Bengals, real football in a sense and the Bengals are, are back on the field and it's going to be exciting to kind of see what they look like under this new staff how they react um and hopefully it's it's in a positive way where we we, we can be impressed and feel good about things for the rest of the summer thanks john Uh, Thanks to everybody uh, out there watching us live. Thanks to those of you who download the program afterwards. We'll see you after the game. We will be recapping that. And then we'll see you on our regular weekly show as well. Thanks. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. 
thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. 